You're listening to the Marginally Geeky Show, the Epically Geeky Book Club. Greetings. Welcome to the Marginally Geeky Show. I'm your host for the evening, Eugene Stevens. Tonight, I'm joined by the uh, usual cast. I've got Jennifer sitting here next to me. Uh, we've got Sean and Chris and Ray up there in Canada. And joining us tonight is our very special guest, the author of the Bobaverse series, the Quantum Earth series, and uh, the Singularity Trap, Mr. Dennis E. Taylor. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> so excited to have you on the show. Uh, we talked about before the beginning of the episode, uh, Sean is the one that actually recommended this series for us to read. He's like, hey, we've, I've, I've read this really awesome sci-fi book. I think it would be good for the show. And we read the first one. We reviewed it almost two years ago and just – we, I don't know. We just didn't get around to read. We've all read the books. Like we immediately had to get through the books because they do flow together so very well. Um, and we're just really big fans, and we we couldn't wait to have you on, sir. Thank you for those kind words. So, um, I, I'll go ahead and start off real quick. Uh, so, how did you get into writing? Uh, I could say accidentally, uh, or I could say. Uh, I lost a bet. Um, <laughs> a heck of a bet. It's a well. I, I I've told this story before, but uh, it it I, I guess it bears repeating because it's it's an interesting case of of how your life can change based on very very small butterfly effect things. Um, I bought a uh, I bought a, an iPad. I got Kindle. I started downloading a lot of free um, books from Amazon. Um, One in particular was very, very bad. And I said words that that included the concept of uh, I could do better. And my wife said to me, well, why don't you? You know, go ahead, write something. So I thought about it for a while and I fired up Word and I started writing. And that was Outland. The first iteration of Outland. Uh, I tried to query, well, I d- did query it around and nobody bit, so I self published. Um, but it, it made coffee money every month, uh, even Starbucks coffee money. And uh, so I got the bug, I guess. And then I started writing Outland, as soon, or sorry, um, Legion, as soon as Outland was published, and that one did get picked up. Nice. And it just snowballed from there. Awesome. That's really cool. That's really cool, yeah. Uh, do you well, to... I got a quick question, if that's okay. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Just, everyone just jump <laughs> in. Like, I don't want to have to. Yeah, no, yeah. Nobody else is jumping in. I might as well ask this one. I, I have to know, because you've mentioned it in a couple of books now. Um, how far north did you have to go to find your pterodactyl mosquitoes that you're terrified of? <laughs> you mean to get away from them? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I I don't hate mosquitoes as much as Bob does. I, I don't think anybody hates mosquitoes as much as Bob does, but they're not my favorite animal, that's for sure. Um, we don't we don't have mosquitoes in Vancouver anything like, for instance, Winnipeg does. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Winnipeg. Uh, my understanding is uh, if they get a group together, they can carry you off. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. No joke. <laughs> 
couple bats, you know. It's... <laughs> no, in Winnipeg, the mosquitoes chase the bats. <laughs> it's it's true. Yeah. I used to live in northern Ontario as a kid up north uh, past Thunder Bay, and it was, yeah. Oh, yeah, but you have the black, the black flies there. The black flies, deer flies, horse flies, and then you got the pine beetles that drop out of the tree. Yes. That if they bite you, will take chunks out of you. Yeah. Cool. I, yeah. I want to move there. <laughs> I was a kid. I didn't have any choice. That's why we yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, generally, stingy, bitey insects and, and me don't get along. Same. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I've got one for you, Dennis. Um, okay. Your writing style. When you were writing, did your writing style change with the thought that this was going to go right to an audio book? Or is your writing style meant for written word? Um, I could, well... I've, yeah, I, I originally wrote for um, text because that's what I'm, I'm used to. Um, once I started listening to my work in audio and other people's work, um, I started to realize that there are some changes that have to be made to make it sound better. Um, John Scalzi has, has commented that he's had to change his writing style for audio. Um, he's one of the believers in, in said as an invisible word and in print, it is an invisible word. You hardly even notice it. Uh, but in audio, it, it sticks out like a sore thumb. So you, you use a lot less dialogue tags and a lot more, um, beats in audio. I think most of us listen to your books. Um, I, I read the first one and then listened to the last two. So did you have a, like a kind of a vision of how you wanted the, the different characters to sound or did you ha did you coach the, the narrator at all or did you kind of just say here, you know, kind of do your own thing? Well, Ray asked me before he started recording if I had any um, pre-existing um, visions of any of the characters uh, or anything that he'd like them to sound like or that I'd like them to sound like. And I did for a couple. Uh, for the most part, I told them, you know, just go with it. Do whatever works for you. But uh, Butterworth, I imagined sounding like Fowler from um, Chicken Run. And, of course, uh, Guppy had to sound like... Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Um, Homer, I, I imagined sounding like... Bill Murray from Ghostbusters for some okay. reason. Okay. Okay. And uh, you know, Ray Homer. pulled it off. Uh, Bill Bridget had to have an Irish accent, obviously being Irish. Other than that, I think I think he pulled more of a Belfast accent than a, a, a <laughs> yeah than a Wexford accent, but uh, whatever. Uh, but other than that, he just went with it. He just did whatever sounded best to him. Yeah, I think we were all really big fans of his his narration and yeah. how distinctly he made the characters sound. Cause that's a hard <laughs> book to do that with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, the, especially when, when most of the characters by default are the same character. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But we, we commented on the last, when we reviewed, we actually reviewed uh, the second, third Bible verse book together. Uh, and one of the comments that I made in particular and everyone agreed was uh, even though, you know, it is the same voice actor, 
you can just tell as soon as he starts with an inflection, you're like, oh, that's Bob. That's Will. That's Bill. And we could just – but you can also pick it up from your writing. Like we know how they speak. We know how they're going to react to things. And so, uh, yeah. Cool. Um, I had a question. How much planning and plotting do you do for each book? I met an author once, and he said he did 64 pages of just bullet point before he even started anything. Do you flush it out that much, or do you more – just sort of type and see what happens. Um, not that much. That that sounds like a lot of planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do I do write out a, a sentence per theoretical chapter. Okay. It, it, my final result very rarely resembles the initial plan. Excuse me. But at least I have an initial plan. I have known writers who are totally discovery writers and they just sit at the keyboard and they start typing and they wait to see what happens. And they're as surprised as everybody else, you know, by what the characters do. But uh, I have a, I have a good idea of where I'm going. I have a good idea of what the ending is. Um, I have a fairly good idea of how I'm going to get there, but everything else is subject to change without notice. Awesome. All right. I like that. Mm-hmm. Did you write uh, Did you write uh, all three books together, or did you have a plan for how they were all going to go, or did you do one, kind of left it off of yourself, did the second one, then did the third one, or was it all kind of well, at once? The, the thing about the We Are Legion series is that uh, between the time that I – queried it or by the time that I, I finished it and started querying it and the time that it actually got picked up by audible uh, I had time to write the first two and about half of the third so by the time Legion was actually published the entire series was essentially roughed out okay um, it the Legion series isn't um, a typical trilogy in that most trilogies, I think, at least try to have a logical break between each book, you know, as opposed to cliffhangers. Uh, I was a little weak in that area. I think a lot of people have complained that uh, that the books just stopped rather than, than wrapping things up. It's not as bad as Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but bad enough. Um, but it was always going to be three books. There was always way too much material there for, for one or two books. So, uh, we've, we were talking about your characters, uh, during the review and everything. And a lot of them are very relatable for us. Uh, I'm just curious, are they based on anybody, you know, or not just Bob, but, uh, Bridget or, um, even the people from your other books? Um, well, as far as Bridget is concerned, my, my brother-in-law, Patrick, um, is one of my beta readers, and uh, he commented after reading book two that – my screen just turned off. Hold on. Just completely changed the lighting in here. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting forelit from my, from my computer monitor. Um, anyway, Patrick – uh, 
complained that uh, he felt a little uh, weird reading about Howard's uh, relationship with Bridget because he said Bridget was way too much like his sister, my wife. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Bobs in general are just a lot like a lot of people that I know know or have known. Uh, being in the, the IT industry, of course, you tend to meet intellectual, um, well, geeks, nerds. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, people people who are, are more into gaming or computers or programming than into football or basketball or or anything like that. So so I think Bob reflects that. Which is why I Probably think all of us here so on this show <laughs> yeah. associate with a ver- at least yeah. one version of Bob or another. I, I can see myself as – well – I can see myself as several different Bobs. I uh, you can't see them off screen. I have three 3D printers. I run a, a uh, um, uh, an Etsy store on the on the side, and so uh, keeping track of 3D printers and what they're doing and all that other stuff. So I you know as soon as that was a, a major thing to all the you know the books, I was just like, oh I I so feel Bob's pain. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, well there you go and. Those are the types of people who um, seem to become fans of the Bobiverse. Uh, techies, mm-hmm. yeah. nerds, you know, engineers, astronomers, stuff like that. And, and well, they should be. Yeah, because you really go into detail in resource procurement and management and the logistics of a lot of things. And a lot of books and movies just kind of glaze over that part and just take it for granted that, Oh yeah, there's unlimited resources and unlimited bullets in this gun and you know, yada, yada. And and you kind of actually make the reader think about, Oh wow. Yeah. That, that might take an entire, you know, asteroids worth of metal or whatever they're doing to, to do that. So we appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I, I assumed the mediocrity principle, um, (laughs) when, when writing, uh, which, uh, would, say to me that that I'm average and that my feelings on things like that should be average. So if it bugs the hell out of me that, <laughs> you know, they yeah. gloss over that stuff, it must bug the hell out of other people, too. Yeah. So I put it in. It um, It's called serial problem solving. Uh, the Martian is famous for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Martian did very well. So obviously a lot of people. <laughs> like that particular uh, emphasis. I the term I coined for it uh um excuse the vulgarity is uh resource management porn. Um, <laughs> and I, I spend a lot of my day with resource management. So the whole the the entire series like Jen said of having to figure out we only have so much you know materials and we have to figure out how we're going to balance it to print and how we're going to get people moved how we're going to save stuff how we're going to fight this war but that's even in uh Outland we I love the fact that this group comes together and is like okay what do we have how do we get more resources how are we going to keep people alive at first it's just you know how do we keep people alive now and then for a couple of weeks and now it's like oh man this this may be forever. How are we going to do this? And and seeing their thought process is, uh, we we discussed it. It's it's very much how we would 
hope that we would go through it. I mean, of course, hopefully we never have to go through anything like that. But it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's one of those yeah. things. It's like, of wood. course, I wouldn't have thought about this, or I'm glad I would have thought the same thing. And I think, so. yeah, I think it's a it's neat to kind of see that process and know that, oh, okay, if I was in that situation or a similar situation. Now I kind of know how it might be fixed or how I might be able to start. Because sometimes you're just like, where would I start? Yeah. That? yeah. You know, if I was thrown into a computer in 150 years, you know, <laughs> how would I start processing all that? <laughs> poorly. I've learned yeah, that I have to. Poorly. I I've learned that I have to learn how to code and uh, <laughs> quickly get into VR. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you have to? Um, I guess there was some, you know, kind of research on your part as far as, you know, how a lot of that stuff worked. But were you already kind of into the science of a lot of the things that you you explained? And obviously some of it was probably, you know, exaggerated a little but um, did, did you find that you had to do a lot of research or did you kind of just generally know a lot of it from your own, you know, background? Uh-huh. Which Which book? Um, well, Bob, I guess the Bob. Let's, yeah, let's start with Bob first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I uh, was at one time an amateur astronomer, so I'm, I'm very much up on, oh. on astronomical issues. I've never stopped reading about it. So, you know, Sky and Telescope, Scientific American, uh, uh, Fizorg, uh, phys.org, uh, or is it phys.org.com? I should think about that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, those places I, I frequent all the time. So the 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 astronomical stuff came fairly quickly. Okay. Um, the outland stuff, a little more research involved because I'm not really much of an engineer. <laughs> yeah, we were we were wondering how much technical research went in there. It's it seemed like I, we figured since you were a programmer uh, that a lot of the technical stuff. Uh, was probably at least somewhat familiar to you. You at least wrote it, so it sounded like it was very much in your wheelhouse. We were just trying to figure out, uh, uh, you know, if like like well, like you said, the astronomical stuff is was that something you had to research or not? But it sounds like that's also you know something that you're very passionate about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. yeah. Also, um, I, I've had it commented that there's just the right amount of exposition in in the Legion books. Uh, you know, not too much explanation and not too glossed over. Uh, that's not the way it started out. Um, that's why we have editors. <laughs> because uh, there was a lot more explanation and exposition in it when when uh, when I wrote it, and and the editor would say things like, "Oh, geez, can we cut that down to one paragraph?" <laughs> Eventually, we ended up with a good balance. I don't know. It's there's a, part of me that's kind of wanting right to see what the yeah, I was gonna say I want to kind of see if there's the if there's a um a uh I, you'd say you normally would say director's cut. I want to see if there's a an, an author's cut of this because yeah, be, I'm sure some of it I'd be like, ooh, tell me more. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I'd read us. <laughs> Ray'd read it too. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Well, so speaking of that, then the the process that you you kind of looked into uh, more specifically about replication, would you replicate yourself? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, well, I have to be careful here. Uh, in in the Legion books, it's it's fatal. So that's know, the... <laughs> not if it was fatal. But if I if I was 
able to do it, you know, in my will uh, after I died to be replicated. Absolutely. I, it's a no loss situation as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree. What would your uh, VR be? (laughs) Good question. We asked that in the first episode. Good question. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Actually, I'd probably do like a lot of the Bobs do and just bounce around, try different things. Um, I'd start with the library because I I love the idea of a library. But uh, at one point, I'd probably end up with a space platform, just open, non-air space platform. Yeah, that'd be cool. It is interesting. I liked the one where you had, uh, I can't remember who did it, but they had um, Earth in the background and all the different planets and stuff like that. And he's just chilling out in the moon. Or <laughs> it was, I like that one. Uh, yeah, I think that was actually Riker, Will, uh, from 82 or Danny, because that was... Um... Hmm. Sorry. No, it's okay. I'm, I'm yeah. going off on a tangent. I could be wrong. <laughs> That actually leads me into another question. How did you keep all of the bobs straight? Yes. Yeah, like, it was on my list. <laughs> oh, software. I just picture a giant. Software? <laughs> yeah. Very smart, yes. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, had a, I had a timeline program and I had Excel. And uh, I had to uh, pretty rigorously keep track of times and dates and durations and stuff like that just to, just to make sure that things meshed chronologically. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. I was more interested in how you kept the timelines yeah. straight oh, yeah. because there was, at points, there was like 10, 20, 30 years in between chapters. And uh, yeah, uh, one our discussion before, I felt time was an actual character in your books. It mm-hmm. almost had to be. But, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, that makes sense now. That was one of my big questions. How did you keep that straight? <laughs> I'm just picturing the world's largest whiteboard. <laughs> it's like 50 different columns because i yeah there were so many bobs yeah it's an entire room of whiteboard <laughs> yeah well the, the spreadsheet was was uh was fairly convoluted too I, I mean i had formulas in there to make sure that calculated uh start and end dates and stuff properly wow nicely mm-hmm. done gene is such a fan of spreadsheets so he's I, I am i'm very excited i specifically said he uses spreadsheets too <laughs> to the point they make fun of me so um, I've never been a database guy. I'm always a spreadsheet guy. Uh, I'm sorry. There's just a bunch of questions, out, and I, I'm not. I don't want to monopolize the question. So, Sean, what's your next question? <laughs> um, actually, I'm uh, wondering a bit more about the X Foundation. Um, you're still in it, correct? The, oh, the X Prize Foundation. Yeah, I uh, I am um part of it, and I'm on the board. Uh, it's it's not an act, a very active um, posting, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty heady group. <laughs> it, it is. It definitely is. Um, unfortunately, they, um, the the X Prize people have started charging a, an entry fee or a registration fee for uh, their annual conference. Uh, I think starting last year, and it's fairly steep, so not going. No, yeah, it's yeah, it's American too, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah, American. My time would be better spent going to cons and stuff. So, um, you know, when I have the free time, that's that's what I try to book. But even getting in there, like your favorite author, Larry Niven, is in there too. Like, 
I was taking a look, and man, there's a lot of big names in that one. Margaret Atwood. Oh, had to read her in high school. <laughs> what? Oh, sorry. I was just going to jump back in. Uh, going back to Ray Porter, did you have a say on picking him for the for the narrator or no? Uh, I don't know for sure whether if I'd kicked up a fuss, I could have gotten somebody else. Uh, the simple fact of the matter is I had no clue. So <laughs> I just let them pick it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some inkling of, of asking for Will Wheaton because I'd just listened to him do a, a Scalzi book, uh, Locked In, and it was really good. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great if Will Wheaton did my book? Um, <laughs> but before I could bring it up, um, Steve announced, oh, well, Ray Porter will be doing it for you. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Ray Porter? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at I, that point, at that point, I'd only listened to the one audiobook and, and even that only because I was signed up with Audible. So I wanted to see what all the fuss was about. Right. I, I think Ray did a great job. Oh, yeah. I, I know he, he, like we talked about, it was his ability to to go in from one character to the next that I I really enjoyed. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I I believe that that's specifically why Steve uh, assigned Ray to me, uh, because of the number of different voices in the books, and and Ray's particularly good with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, I enjoy your your sprinkling of swear words. I'm a big fan of cussing, so it just, I mean, it's, it's, it's the right yeah. amount. It's the right amount, and I enjoy it, so thank you. Well, well, Bob likes to use swear words as emphasis, and, mm-hmm. and use them too much, they just become, you know, conjunctions or commas or whatever. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did. Nothing like a well-placed MFR. I just, I love yeah. it. <laughs> I also love how the you have um, certain similarities for all of the Bobs. So even though they have their own personalities and, and they're all different versions, there are certain things that always bring them back. Every time uh, we get someone else added to BobNet and uh, Will pops – or not Will, but Bill pops in, uh, they all immediately go wholly in the same inflection. And I'm just like – you can still tell it's the same – it's the same base character. It's just a, a different version of them. But speaking of which, how did you come up with some of the names? Like, why did you pick Bob, Bill, Will, Homer? Uh, different reasons for, for different characters at different times. Um, Bob was was because Bob is a very generic name. Um, you know, we are Legion. We are, you know, that sounds like you should be saying it in a deep voice with reverb in the background. Right. <laughs> and lightning crashing from the sky, yeah, and then you need you need a complete 360 on that. We are Bob. Bob. Yes. Bob. <laughs> so, Bob. Yeah. So it, nice and Bob. nice and inoffensive and non-memorable and stuff like that, and it just it just fit. Um, after that, because of why the the Bobs were picking their names, you know, essentially to to just be unique. I just started coming up with character names that I've remembered for one reason or another over time. Like Bill was Bill the cat. Um, Mario was Mario. Uh, 
<laughs> you know, I liked Mulder I, and Skinner because you know, yeah, yeah. Files. I liked Hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I I had to I had to go over that one a few times to make sure that it, it wasn't going to get Disney after me. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's something you might have to consider for the future. Uh, so is, and I'm sure we know how legal things go. Um, you know, if you can just wink, uh, is there any thought, movement, idea of this becoming a movie, TV series, yada, yada, yada? Well, it's been optioned. <laughs> I did sign a, a, a movie option or I don't know if you, I don't know if you can call it a movie option, basically an option mm-hmm. on, uh, We Are Legion about 20 months ago, 20, 21 months ago, somewhere around there. It was for 18 months with an option to renew for a further 18 months. And at the end of 18 months, they renewed. Now that's significant because every, they, they have to pay me money each time. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if they're paying money for a renewal, there must be something there, something going on, something being negotiated or something in discussion. But I have no details because once these companies sign an option with you, they don't talk to you again mm-hmm. until they have something. Yeah. So, is that is that a frustrating thing that sort of you've signed it over and yeah? Okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's frustrating because it would be nice to know if if something was actually you know in the works, but you know, they they wouldn't need a very large cast, <laughs> one main character and several you know supporting characters. Yeah, so yeah. on Reddit, someone posted a thing: if if they were to do let's say a TV series, would you want who would you want to cast as each of the individual individual Bobs? And when I brought that up, we all came to this. We're like, no, same person, we right? want to see the same person mm-hmm. play all of them. And of course, we thought, I mean, granted, we're not yeah, actors, yeah. but I'm like, that seems like a dream role for someone to be able to say, hey, I did a series and I played 25 different people with each individual inflection. But anyway, um, Orphan Black. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes, I mean, exactly. The, the actress. Uh, obviously made a name for herself running all those different mm-hmm. characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that, that would be. So speaking, speaking of all that, then who would you want to see play Bob? I have thought about that and I've been asked that on a number of occasions and I don't have a strong feeling about it, but when I have tried to visualize it, for some reason I see Ryan Reynolds. I was thinking that actually. Oh my God. You just blew my mind. I think it's it's as much about his, um, his uh, ad libbing, as anything mm-hmm. else, I think he would fit with Bob perfectly. Mm-hmm. That would be great. That would yeah. be, yeah, that may be, be the great. best one I've heard suggested so far. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> See, I, I originally had thought uh, of the gentleman that played on Split, uh, forgive James me, McAvoy. James McAvoy. I thought he would uh, bring yeah. an interesting, just because he, he's already, well, yeah, he's already played so many different characters and proven that he can do that. So that's who I thought would be interesting. But Ryan Reynolds, uh, that yeah. blows me away, man. That'd be cool. <laughs> hmm. right. I, uh, Go ahead. I was going to say, um, 
I really appreciated the fact that Bob was he, he just a character of such moral standing. Like he was basically given immortality and set free and he still chose to kind of come back and save humanity and replicate himself several times over to, you know, basically spend the next century or so um, saving the humans that, you know, questionably deserved it <laughs> the way they were acting sometimes. Um, and I just thought that was really neat because obviously some of the other replicants didn't have that same, you know, moral um, <laughs> background to yeah. to do the right thing, I guess. And, yeah, but that's that's just human variation, uh, especially when when it's uh, it's a I don't know if you call it a death of a thousand cuts or a, a game of inches or whatever, but um, there's no one point where Bob has to make a huge decision. He kind of finds himself just one step at a time pulled into it, you know, well, I'll just do this. I'll just check to see if, if humanity is still alive. Well, I'll just see if I can stop this asteroid thing. Well, I'll, I'll just talk to these people. Uh, well, I'll just build a spaceship. And one inch at a time, one step at a time, he finds himself embroiled. And it, it actually turns out to be a, a political hot potato in, in the Bobiverse as well, because they don't all agree with that. <laughs> yeah. This is just. I a, was just uh, go on, Sean. Oh, sorry. The um. So I just saw that the, your editor suggested Heaven's River get merged into one book yeah. rather than two. Are you happy with that decision? Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good news, bad news thing. Um, I'm I'm happy with it from the point of view that that Steve argued successfully that it was it was worth doing. Um, he he argued that the fan base would be much happier with one book with two parts rather than two books, um, especially considering the size of the cliffhanger at the end of book one. Uh, yeah, it's like the old Adam West Batman thing, you know. Will Batman get out with his head in <laughs> next week? Same bat time, same bat channel. I mean, I I, I deliberately wrote a. a a massive cliffhanger at the end of book one. And uh, Steve didn't think it would fly well. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he, he said, look, you know, put them together. You're putting out a double length book. Uh, the readers will love a longer book, getting more money or, you know, more book for their credit. Um, the cliffhanger won't be a problem because it's just a chapter break. And, um, you know, the, the only problem, the only potential problem was whether the size of the resulting book would make it difficult to do print on demand through Amazon because uh, they have limitations on, on, you know, the size of the spine. Yeah. But uh, we checked in on it. We checked up on it and it's OK. Yeah. And the downside of that decision is that I have now delivered one book on my three-book contract instead of two <laughs> my three-book oh. contract. I was going to say, did you wrap up everything you were wanting to do with that series, or is this giving you the opportunity to explore more things that you hadn't quite wrapped up? Oh, I, I, I'll be doing more books on the on the Bobiverse universe anyway, Okay. Uh, whether, whether it's in this contract or another contract. The, the, the contracts are only about money. 
Um, the number of books I'm going to write is the same regardless. Gotcha. So speaking of more, uh, any chance we're getting more from Outland? Because I love where you've taken that series, and I can't wait to see where you go with it. Well, I'm writing uh, the second book, Earthside, right now. Mm -hmm. um, if you like project management porn, um, <laughs> more of it in Earthside. Uh, in Earthside, they, they come to accept that they are in a long-term situation, and they have to plan for the long term now. It's not just a question of popping across, collecting food, you know, collecting lawnmowers or whatever they need and, and you know, keeping them oiled. Uh, they now have to deal with the possibility that they're going to um, start losing knowledge as people mm -hmm. get old and die. Knowledge well, does shrink. Um, medicines expire. Mm -hmm. Stuff and like that. I love that you touched on that too. And that was something else that we talked about the whole resource management part of it. Uh, you, you, you touched on that. And especially with, you know, you have the dog, well, the, I call her the doctor. She's the medical authority. And, and she was saying that, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have a bunch of babies showing up here and we need to prepare that we're not going to be surviving. Like they're not all going to be surviving and it's, it's going to be a hard go. And I, I just, I like that you were able to touch on that stuff. So, yeah. Well, I, it's um, it's funny, but I, I think people in general don't realize the extent to which we live in an artificial environment. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, until you get popped into an alternate universe and you don't have all these things around you and, and you know, what do you mean I can't have popcorn? Well, there's <laughs> popcorn here. <laughs> you can't have bread. There's no wheat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, things well like thing, things like corn, for instance. You can't um, you can't just grow corn. You can't propagate corn. It doesn't uh, it doesn't create its own seeds. It can't self germinate. So humans have to uh, replant corn every year. They have basically we're like midwives to corn. So, <laughs> so you know. So and most people don't realize that. And, and corn is a really good staple crop. It's it's uh, uh, much more nutritious than most of the other crops that we can grow. It's just also, unfortunately, the hardest to grow without technological assistance. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. I've been doing research. <laughs> so when the apocalypse comes, we're not getting popcorn anymore. Apparently not. Oh, bad news. <laughs> oh, no more popcorn. popcorn. And, and Rebel Redenbacher expires really quickly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, did, was there a big difference in writing um, the Bobbleverse books, whereas you, you've got one character that becomes many as compared to, let's take Outland, where you have six different personalities and that you, you kept pulling in additional people that you know were specialists in, in different things. Or, was it a lot different, or was it kind of the same? You're just... It's instead of being many people, it's just one person, just different versions. Well, the biggest difference is that Outland is written in third person, uh, and that really requires a different writing style mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, it's in some ways it's easier to bring in extra characters uh, because you don't have to worry about them being like the first character or anything like that. Uh, in some ways, it's more difficult because. In the Blavaverse, 
I can add bulbs as necessary, and you know it's perfectly reasonable. In Outland, if you start to add too many different, different, different people, uh, readers start to lose track. Mm-hmm. And readers lose track, readers lose interest. So I had to be a lot more careful about keeping the number of POVs down to a, to a small number. I think there was a good amount in, in Outland. I don't think uh, I, I enjoyed seeing uh then play play off each other you could tell that they were they knew of each other and uh it was yeah i liked it was a good number i I wouldn't want to see too many more point of views that's for sure yeah well the first version of outland had more points of view and in the first version and that was just a, a my lack of experience but i just added a pov whenever i needed one yeah and uh it it got a little overboard so again, editor, ha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go rewrite it. <laughs> Just a quick question. Uh, in the beginning of uh, the second, um, in uh, uh, was it, we are many. Uh, when he's describing the pigoid hunt, there's a uh, Delton named Fred. I think he's the one that puts his pipe down and it breaks and he gets hurt and they kind of make a joke and carry him back uh is it the same fred that is in the third book that's causing so much problems in uh carly i was i I was pretty sure it wasn't the case but i just had to ask yeah and actually until you said that i didn't realize that i'd reused the name (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) no but all the people from uh, Carleon are uh, young Daltons. Yeah, and I remember you said this. So I, I figured it was a separate one, but I just I just wanted to kind of double check because, like Ray brought up, he's like, you know, it's they're it, they're like humans. They're going to recycle names. There's going to be more yeah. than one, just Bob or Fred. Or, yeah, but I just had to check. <laughs> Does anyone have any other questions they want to throw out there? I've got. Is there? Uh... Any chance of getting a sequel to Singularity Trap? Good question. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I already have a, a general plot line um, hammered out. That's all the hope I need. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, the self-publishing. I was just curious how you found that whole process Uh is it worth somebody going through it if they're having issues with trying to get their own stuff published? It's that that's an interesting question. And, and there's a lot of ways of looking at it. Um, self-publishing certainly gets you a lot of experience. Uh, there's nothing like diving in. You know, you can study swimming all you want, but to, until you actually dive in, you, you don't really understand the mechanics. Um, and self-publishing certainly gets you into that. However, um, if you self-publish a book, uh, it doesn't reduce your chances of, of getting a, a subsequent book um, represented, by the way. It's, it's not like it's a death knell to your career. A lot of people worry about that, and it, it ha- makes absolutely no difference. But once you've self-published a book, chances are you've used it up. Right. It's not going to get picked. You know, I say that being the exception to that, but, <laughs> but that's just a, that's a, a unique circumstance. Generally speaking, any self-published books that you 
you put out, you've used up that idea. It's gone. It's in the public. It's in the public eye. Uh, Your your uh, publisher isn't going to pick it up. Your agent isn't going to pick it up. You you just forget about it. That's fair. My my last question uh, is: You mentioned uh, conventions. Any chance of ever going to a fan expo in Toronto? <laughs> uh, I don't see any. Re- Actually, Toronto would be easier than uh, than going across the border, especially right now. The Iranian or anything like that, but you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. I overdid it a little bit in 2018, mm-hmm. I think, 2018. And then in 2019, I kind of pulled back and hardly went anywhere. Yeah. Um, 2020, I'm going to start very carefully picking up on some cons and expos and stuff like that. And, uh, a, you know, a Canadian one would, would certainly be in, in the mix. I only say that because we're, we're, we're going. We're planning on we're going, going to, to Toronto. Toronto. <laughs> we'll, we'll stop by. How do you feel about Texas in May? <laughs> it's, it's really great down here in the middle of summer kickoff. Uh, is May? Is it getting hot in May? A little bit. It depends on yeah how what Texas yeah. feels we're like. Canadians. <laughs> Our heart is a little different. Yeah, <laughs> it's starting to get a little hot. <laughs> well, okay. Now we'll, we'll do. We can talk about that afterwards. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> start it out there. Yeah. Uh, do we want to bring up? Um, there seem to be some parallels to real life in some of the. Okay. Yeah. So we'll we just saw. go ahead and ask the question. So, uh, in the Bobverse, in the Bobverse books, it's a lot of it's kicked off because of a uh, president named Handel that just kind of. Screws everything up. Um, based on anyone, or <laughs> that was written completely before Trump was even a thought. That's what okay. I was thinking. Yeah. That's what we were thinking time-wise, time-wise. Mm-hmm. But as we're reading it, about you know, it's about the same, and it's just like, hmm, did he, how how much of a crystal ball did he have writing this? Were you a writer for The Simpsons? Is what I'm asking. <laughs> That's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to you want to ask about uh, uh, about crystal ball gazing? You talk to the Simpsons writers. <laughs> yeah. No joke. Wow, it's almost like if I was one of the writers, now I'd almost be scared to put any thought out into the universe and be like, "What do I really want to make this come true?" So, I, I will say I do appreciate the uh, focus, wh- whether it was intentional or not, on the environmental issues. Um, yeah. Chris and I are. are really big environmentalists and, and we even have a podcast about it. And uh, yeah, well, you know, we, we just kind of see the things happening in the world and, and are kind of wringing our hands in some instances because the, the collective active actions of humanity um, just don't make sense in the face of what's happening. And, and you kind of see some of that play out in both, you know, Outland and the Bobbleverse books, not that they could have prevented a volcano from erupting, but when they go over, you know, you kind of see the, the impact they're having on that environment. And yeah, it's just. Well, it, Singularity Trap uh, goes a lot into uh, the global warming and the effects of it and stuff like that. It's it's just a part of the lives of the characters, you know, yeah. the changes in, in geography and everything because of it. 
Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten to that one yet, so. Well, there's um, there's a place where the doctor is living um, that's actually in West Vancouver here, and uh, the the description is accurate in terms of what you'd get if the sea level had gone up 20 or 30 feet. Oh, wow. I was going to say, I've read it, and I've, I didn't have anyone ask. I guess I... I was kind of waiting for everyone else. I'm sure it will end up on our to-do list uh, probably this coming year here in the next couple of months. Uh, So, yeah, I was going to ask about that. Your your descriptions of there's not – I mean most of the books take place either in an alternate universe or or so on and so forth. Uh, But I was going to ask if, you know, how much firsthand you, you know, experience you had in writing some of that because it seems like you were were fairly comfortable with that location and, and knew it quite well. Yeah, I, I throw in uh, personal well-known locations occasionally when, when I can get away with it, um, either because the characters can really be there or because it's not specific. Um, for instance, in, in We Are Legion, uh, Bob talks about taking the sea bus every day, twice a day, mm-hmm. uh, get to and from work, and that's the Vancouver sea bus. Mm-hmm. And I did that for years, so nice. I, I know what it feels like. <laughs> That'd be why Vancouver was one of the surviving uh, colonies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, us here in Ontario got uh. demolished. It was. <laughs> I was going to ask about that. Um, what made you the geopolitical outcome that we get? Uh, we have basically Europe coming together. Uh, we have the Chinese. Why Brazil? Why? <laughs> what made you think Brazil's gonna like step up and just really become a powerhouse? Well, like? when, I, when I was when I was researching uh, who should be the 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 villain, if you will, um, I discovered that the Brazilian Empire really was a thing a hundred or two hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Brazil was at one time a powerhouse, and technically they could be one again. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Especially with their president now who like gives oh. no fucks and does what yeah. he wants. <laughs> yeah. I just thought it was interesting. If if you've ever read um, World War Z, uh, one of the countries that really stepped up is Cuba. And when he describes how and why that would be if the world was covered with zombies, it's like, of course, it can be easily defensible. It would actually still be, you know, if in a nuclear situation, they would still be able to produce food they could be very easily become a powerhouse and i was like that that makes a lot of sense and so when you said brazil i was like okay that's i mean it's a huge country they have a lot of they have a very you know high population i yeah i could see them you know stuff starts going down they just start eating up the rest of the continent and and taking off so yeah they have traditions i mean i'm sure you know martial traditions would survive uh even if they stopped being an empire there would still be a, a certain amount of folklore and, and, and attitudes. In, interesting side note. Um, I've taken a lot of flack about the uh, Bobiverse books from uh, uh, mostly from right wingers and religious people. Uh, I've t- taken a certain amount of flack from environmentalists for, for vehement um, but by and large, Brazilians are happy as hell that, uh, <laughs> they, that they're represented as a powerful uh, antagonist. Wow. There you go. That I not would not. I mean, I understand the first. I understand the first, I one. first one. I don't really get yeah. the 
the the the yeah, but okay, Brazilian, that's awesome. Even if they're trying to destroy humanity, they're just happy to be in the they're, story. Yeah, they're just. <laughs> I've never yeah. gotten harsh word from anybody from Brazil on it. That's go. awesome, actually. Yeah. They're like, we're a main character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're representing. We're Doctor Evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. You get uh, flack from environmentalists about vehement. It's not that's, even this such a different. Just, yeah, just a little bit. But uh, it, it was it was it was in a blog and it was the kind of reaction of somebody who just, um, I think, identified with the environmentalists and maybe took themselves a little too seriously. Mm. <laughs> There's a few of those. I, I've, I've never really thought of that. Have you ever thought about like uh, who you actually are going to offend when you're writing something like that? Because I've never. Or do you care? Or do you care? Yeah, I guess it's either. I. I think about it, but let's put it this way. I don't go out of my way to offend anybody. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I don't go out of my way to avoid offending anybody. If if the situation, if the plot calls for, uh, you know, a a right-wing theocracy, it calls for a right-wing theocracy. What am I supposed to do? And and if it's going to be a, an American right wing theocracy, it's going to be Christian based because there just aren't enough Muslims in America to to believably pull off a Muslim theocracy. So mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Yeah. So when when sure. the the Christians start waving their fists at me in print, I just <laughs> yeah look went. Also, yeah, it's uh, telling that, you know, it's like, well, if you're offended by it, then obviously there's a reason that he picked, like you said, that you picked up on it. it it's kind of just easy pickings because that yeah. you you must lean towards it or something in there must lean towards it. I don't know. But on my uh, on my blog page, there's a comment from somebody, quite a long one, who started off by telling me that it was ridiculous that I made the, the Christians the bad guys and had the, the Christians take over the United States and form a theology. And this person then went into a long and involved, involved rant about why it should have been Muslims and it would be believable if it was Muslims and why I should have used Muslims and stuff. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, do, do you hear yourself? Yeah. Yeah. That's wow. why it would wow. be Christians. It's not actually <laughs> happening already. People yeah. are in the South. Like, yeah. Everyone wants everything to be Christian. So. Well, if but no one has again, any. Again, I didn't, I didn't set out to offend Christians. It's just right. just that's what the book required. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first iterations, it wasn't even a theo- it wasn't even a theology. It was just an autocracy. Um, but then I needed them to see Bob as not alive, mm-hmm. and the only way you're going to do that is from a theological point of view. No soul, not a person. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah, that was such a good part of. I'm I'm really glad you touched on that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just one more question. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, so you're uh, when you write, are you an everyday writer? Do you sit down? Do you have a scheduled time, um, where, like a nine to five, for example, that you're like, okay, you start cracking your knuckles, I'm down, and then you take your lunch break and then you go write some more. Do you write at home? Do you have to leave and write somewhere else? Oh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I I should be. Um, I should be organized about it, mm-hmm. but I'm not. <laughs> um, 
I wish I was, but I'm not. Yeah. I, I'm a binge writer. Okay. I, when I get into the mood, boy, I can just go at it, and I can I can hammer out 10,000 words a day. But when I'm not in the mood, I'll stare at one sentence for hours. Yeah. Well, actually, I won't. I'll stare at it for about 10 minutes and say, screw this, I need a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's Very awesome. Good. Thank you. Uh, well, if it, no one has any other questions, okay. Well, I yeah. I just I have an email here. <laughs> Waffles or pancakes? Yes. Oh yes. Oh, that's right. Wow. Yeah, that was mine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yours. I didn't know if you sent that or not. I did send it. I was like. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll put it out there. So we asked the hard questions here. You know that. Yes. yes. Waffles if there's strawberries available. Uh, pancakes if not. Always maple syrup though. Yes. Star Wars or Star Trek? Ooh. Ooh. What's that? Star Wars or Star Trek? <laughs> Either. That is an option too. I I, I enjoy both. Uh, I guess series is a good word um, for different reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, they they um, they call Star Wars science fantasy and and Star Trek more science fiction, and I I agree with that to a large extent. Um, they each have their own place. Um, you can get lost in Star Wars because there's so many aliens and so many planets and and you know, so many different factions going on and, and most of it's not explained, but then that's the whole point of star Wars is it's space opera. Mm-hmm. Star Trek is, is much more plotted. So have you thought about politics? <laughs> as little as possible. There you go. I thought for sure you were going to say star Trek just because of the, the Riker We've got Riker, we've got Romulus and and Vulcan. Uh, Vulcan. Vulcan and thank you, I blank, totally blanked out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of but Star he had Trek Akbar, references. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's very true too. So yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the thing about Star Trek is though is that it's a lot more in your face on a regular basis. I mean, Star Wars until recently anyway they were coming out with a movie every three or four years and you'd go and watch your movie and it'd be great and, and that'd be it until the next one came out where star trek you had series after series after series and that's not to mention the reruns uh, and the dvds and and stuff like that so you know it, you you just had star trek in front of you a lot more Understandable. What other, what other, cause you, I mean, you've pulled other, sorry, I just came up with the question. You've pulled, <laughs> there's a lot of sci-fi. I'm, we take it you're, uh, it very much, you know, you do like your pop culture. Uh, we get references, Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, but we get, you know, other references to other pop culture stuff. And of course, that's one of the things that keeps coming up about the Bobs is our humor is all the same and we just keep rerunning the same jokes, which by the way, I totally love that, you know, <laughs> Uh, by every time something happens, they start humming the bicycle built for two, and just yes. I, I love that type of in joke. That's it's very, it's very much of the people I hang out with. Like we have our own in jokes, and and so I appreciated that a lot. Yeah. Well, Pierce Anthony and um, 
and the uh, Terry Pratchett are probably the best at that, you know, in terms of in jokes and and stuff that you have to pick up on. Um, somebody else did one. Uh, I, can, I think it's Larry Niven who did one uh, where he actually uh, took shots at other authors. And um, uh, I can't remember the title of it, but uh, one of the main protagonists was a, uh, a character that everybody kept calling uh, Purple. And he couldn't figure out why they kept calling him Purple, the, the, these were aliens anyway. And uh, they said, well, when we first asked you your name, the translator – uh, gave your name as um, Asimov, a shade of purple gray. So his name was Asimov. Mm. Okay. <laughs> All right. uh, and I'm sure as soon as we hang up, I'll remember the name of the book. But uh, those those types of in jokes are great because they're like little little Easter egg puzzles inside the book that just give you that little extra jolt. Mm-hmm. Uh, endorphins or whatever it is while you're reading and a little bit of extra satisfaction on on top of the character getting away with whatever he gets away with or you know not getting his head cut off or whatever yeah <laughs> well i know vinegarized fries shows up a lot in your books so i really like the smell of vinegar on fries who doesn't uh, I don't have a great sense of smell. It's 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 actually unfortunately one of my weakest senses. But vinegar and fries comes through really clear. It's a good smell. Yes, yeah, that's it fantastic. Is. I just yeah. noticed it kind of really stuck out, you know, in the books that I read. I'm just like, well, he's he's stuck on that. Not that I'm blaming you at all. <laughs> no, and now I'm hungry. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, sorry about that. <laughs> All right, for I guess the 15th time, does anyone have any other questions? (laughs) All right, cool. I guess we should go ahead and wrap up. Um, Let's go ahead and just run around real quick. Uh, Have you been reading anything else? I'm just going to throw out there. I've actually read our next possible two books. Um, Next book for next month is – this is going to sound weird coming from a podcast that claims to be really geeky. Uh, How to Make Anyone Fall in Love with You. Um, (laughs) It's an interesting read. It was written in 1997, so you can imagine how some of the um, some of the ideologies for this come about. So it's going to be an interesting read. And because then, it's February. It's like because to do yes, relationship books. We February. generally do a relationship type book whenever it's February, just to and then kind of you know tear it apart for more of a. I don't want to say scientific, but more of a geeky type view. Um, and then I read the first book in the aftermath, the Star Wars aftermath series. Uh, I think it's going to work out for the book club. Um, it's very much if you've read, or if you've, I say read. Everything I do is through Audible. I do all my reading through Audible. Um, and it's very much like all the other Star Wars books. So it's got all the music and the sound effects, and it's got a really good uh, narrator. And so I think it's going to be fine for that. Otherwise, I haven't really been reading anything else. What about you, Jen? Nope. Just I just tore through these last two books in literally four days because I have been so overwhelmed. <laughs> so I listened to them on like one and a half speed. Um, but it's actually good because I remember more of it having just read it. Um, just trying to read the next book. That's all I have time for right now. So, Sean, reading anything else? I'm still reading the others by Robinson. Um, so it took uh, quite a turn. It's really good science fiction. Uh, first person. It's a very good pace. Every now and then you get a little surprise and go, oh, crap, this is cool. 
So yeah, it's, uh, I'm about two thirds of the way through it. Ray and Chris, y'all read anything right now? Uh, I've been re-listening to the Bobiverse books. Uh, that's about it right now. I've <clears throat> actually put Singularity Trap on my next book that I want to read. And then you've been mm-hmm. Skin Map, eh? I finished uh, the Skin Map by Stephen Lawhead. Uh, it's the first of a trilogy that I can't remember right now, but it ended as these things do, right at the good part. <laughs> so now I have to go. Okay. And- <laughs> uh-huh. But I'm lucky that the whole the whole series is out. And then <laughs> and then I'm reading The Cursed Child, which is a Harry Potter book. This it's the screenplay, and I love it so much. Okay, I'll add that to my list. Yes, yeah, it's, it's super super good. And uh, yeah, I think I might make the kids read it too. <laughs> It's Logan really, has. Lo- so, yeah, yes. it's really, really good. <laughs> Dennis, have you been reading anything? I just started on uh, listening to The Expanse, uh, starting oh, okay. with uh, Leviathan Wakes on, uh, on Audible. Uh, I've, sure. I've watched the entire series on um, Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. and it was really good. But, of course, I had no idea how that relates to the book. Sometimes, you know, they just go off yeah. in the direction. So now I'm going to find out. Uh, how true they were. Yeah, is, I, uh, that's what I it is. Listen to the whole series. I haven't watched the series on Amazon Prime, but I really enjoyed the book series. Well, the uh, this, the Amazon Prime series is really good. Very well done. Um, very consistent. Good special effects. Um, good physics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Now you. Those are important. <laughs> there, yeah. There's nothing worse than having bad physics in a yeah, <laughs> banking spaceships and whooshes yes. and stuff like that. Uh, no, the the uh, ships in in uh, the expanse they actually accelerate and decelerate and they have free fall and they shoot at each other with rail guns and and uh, stuff and it's cool space battles. Nice. Very cool. Real quick, just this just popped in my head. Uh, as an author, how do you come down on the whole? Read the book first before you watch the movie, or watch the movie before you read the book. I I can't give you a consistent rule because I've seen all variations on that. Um, 2001: A Space Odyssey. I thought the the book was far better than the movie, although the movie had great special effects, especially for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, the Relic. Uh, the movie was much better than the book. Oh really? I love yeah. the movie. I never read the book. I um, first in the in the. I have to be careful here because it's always it, it's all, you're always on shaky ground when you start critiquing other <laughs> other authors and stuff. But there's a character in the book that isn't in the movie, and I don't think the movie suffers for it. Hmm. Um, I think the the pacing in the in the movie is much better. Um, it probably helps that I saw the movie first too, but who knows? <laughs> I have to agree with you on that. I can I can cite references for both sides where there's been movies that I've gone to see and I'm like, oh my god, I would never. This was a horrible movie. I would never read the book. But had I since I had read the book first, I was like, wow, they just completely changed it. This was a great great book, and they just did something completely wrong with the movie. So <laughs> Abraham. <laughs> oh, what? Abraham Lincoln Vampire, Vampire Hunter is a <laughs> fantastic book. Oh, and they changed so, so much in oh. that movie. 
There's a lot. I have a lot of feels about. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to continue on this. Conversation. Well, the opposite is true for the Princess Bride. And I read the book and was like, what did you do? Really? <laughs> the, I, I love the movie. Uh-huh. You know, it's like yeah. cult classic. But yes, yeah, yes, the yes. book, I was just mortified with it. And see, I think Jurassic Park is a better movie or, th- than the book was. I, I, I agree with that. Steven Spielberg just did. I mean, there's so, there's so many problems with the movie as to spatial locations with the T Rex and everything else, but it doesn't matter. You just watch it and you're like, there's dinosaurs and it looks awesome. So and they're eating people. Yeah, yeah. and they're yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it looks real. So yeah. it does. That one still holds up it today. Does. Oh yes, it does hold up. Yes. So the thing about the Princess Bride though is is a lot of what made the movie so good was the actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They really That's, cast that yeah, well. They did. Yeah. Anyone want a peanut? Uh, <laughs> no more rhyming. I mean it. Yeah, sorry. Uh, we're just going to start quoting the whole movie so we got to move on. <laughs> um, all right. Well, if you would, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Music. Uh, you can always find us at epicallygeeky.com where you can find all of the other shows as well. We're actually moving to kind of a more structured uh, recording and uh, release. We're going to try to get on having a new show every week. Uh, well, the different shows. So uh, we'll have Marginally Geeky will be out one week. We'll have the Epically Geeky show the next. Sustainably Geeky will be in there. And then uh, uh, Procrastinators. And we are starting our fifth show. Uh, it will probably be at the end of next month or sometime mid-month. Um, creatively Geeky, where we're going to sit around and talk about and hype each other up on our creative endeavors, whether it be writing or 3D printing or, or whatever it might be. So we'll have some more information about that. Remember when Eugene said he wanted to slow down and yes. not do as much? <laughs> a couple at years least ago. I cut the one show back to make room for the other. I didn't just like shoehorn another one in. So... <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm bad about that. Um, and as always, you can find us at Epiglykiki on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Where can we find you online, Mr. Taylor? Uh, my blog page is DennisEtaylor.org. I'm on Twitter and fairly active, and I'm on Facebook and not so active. Uh, and uh, I make appearances in the Facebook group Fans of the Bobberverse occasionally. Okay. Oh. Cool. Yes, I'll have to join that one. So. <laughs> yes, yes. I also have a uh, an Instagram account, but mostly I just post pictures from Whistler. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's. <laughs> They're Texans. They don't see snow. No, yeah, exactly. I, yeah. So, uh, Sean, where can we find you online? Um, you can find me on most of the geeky podcasts, except for sustainably geeky. I tried making my own soap one time, burned a hole in my tub. So. Screw you guys. Uh, also, uh, Facebook, you can find me. I'm the guy with this face here. Uh, yeah, that's about it. I just come around. Good deal. Ray, where can we find you online? Uh, the Reluctant Yeti. You can find me on Instagram uh, or Twitter sometimes. Uh, and I've got uh, I've got some paintings coming, which is going to be fun. So yes, it's... Uh, I finally got my house. I finally got my four by my four foot uh, by four foot canvas is done. So, yeah. <laughs> Chris, where can we find you online? Uh, here at Marginally Geeky on Epically Geeky, Sustainably Geeky, and <laughs> Creatively Geeky, which I'm very 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 excited to uh, get that one started because I feel like it's the kick in the ass that I need to get 
my shit done. And <laughs> on Instagram, so Instagram finally decided that I wasn't a bot and reactivated Yay. my account. Yay. <laughs> well, I'm back. Um, it's um, the Burrow Life. Burrow as in Burrow of Harry Potter. So, And there's it's the.burrow.life. And that's on Instagram. And yeah. Good deal. Jen, where can we find you? Uh, real quick, I just joined the group and there are questions, qualifying questions you have to answer to be in this group. So they're really serious. Ooh, nice. Fans of the Bobaverse. Okay. Um, <laughs> so you can find me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Het's Gonna Be Me. And um, <laughs> never gets old. And no, um, we will have a new episode of Sustainably Geeky dropping next week once I get that to Eugene. And then. Uh, of course, here on Marginally Geeky, Epically Geeky. Um, did I already say this? What? No. <laughs> yeah. We okay. all. Have. I feel like I'm repeating myself. <laughs> we do. And it's just over and over the again. The new show of Creatively, Creatively Geeky. Geeky. Yeah. So. And as always, you can follow my individual wacky adventure at Optimus Gene on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For everyone on the site, have a good night. has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network. 